Hi, and welcome to Finding Your Flow, the podcast. My name is Jen, and I'm your host. I'm inviting you here to intuitively lead and live your most aligned and expansive life. I'm an intuitive business and leadership advisor for heart-centered, impact-driven leaders, entrepreneurs, and businesses. And I'm also a supporter of women's empowerment and animal rescue work. Unlocking flow and supporting you through your next level of growth and transformation is my superpower. I found my own freedom and flow through entrepreneurship over a decade ago. And on this podcast, I'll be sharing stories and insights through the lens of my expertise and my personal experience and through inspiring conversations with my special guests. I'll be helping you navigate your most important asset, your intuition, supporting you in getting unstuck and staying on your most successful and aligned path. I want you to leave with aha moments, deep insights, clarity on your next steps, and more importantly, an inner knowing that where you are right now is perfectly aligned. Life needs you where you're at your best. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I am really excited for today's um, interview because we are sitting down with literally the two coolest guys I've met in a long time, um, Wade Bruffy and Zoltan Sarda. And um, they are the co-founders of Moby, a leadership coaching and organizational development firm that helps companies Aligned for great results, happy teams, and satisfied customers. Uh, today's conversation was so inspiring. I obviously am completely passionate about leadership. I'm also really passionate about um, ensuring that people are in their zone of genius in their work and also feeling happy and fulfilled and excited about showing up to work every day, whether um, that's in a company or as a subcontractor. And these guys are literally paving the path towards that happening in organizations. Um, You're going to be super inspired. If you are a business owner, I'm telling you, you're going to want to bring these guys in ASAP. Um, And if you are someone who works on a team, you might even just be inspired to share this podcast with um, your management or leadership team. You know, I think what this podcast does is really remind us that we don't need to suffer at work. Work can be fun. It can be engaging. Um, We can experience connection. We can experience fulfillment. And we really can be in a space where we are um, co-creating together. We are co-leading together. Uh, We talk a lot on the podcast about like how um, important it is for the management teams to kind of hold a coaching space for team members as well and how how much of an impact that can create on um, the success of an organization. So yeah, just get ready for a super grounding and inspiring conversation. And uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on it afterwards. Hi, Wade and Zoltan. It's so nice to have you guys on the podcast. It's good to be here. Yes. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for coming. I'm, I'm like I was saying at the beginning, I'm super excited about this episode because it's the first time that I actually get to sit down with um, other people that are as passionate about leadership as I am, I think. And uh, I also think that this topic is so important right now. I feel like there's a lot of leadership out there that's not super supportive Um to not just teams, but even clients. It's like, it just, everything ends up being all interconnected, right? And I have like this very elevated vision of leadership for the future, like almost maybe too elevated. Um, and I've even, I've even worked in organizations where this kind of vision of leadership or how I chose to step into leadership at this elevated way actually made the business owners uncomfortable. And that level of leadership was actually criticized. So I would love to hear from you guys first. Um, well, first of all, let's start with the fun stuff. Because <laughs> Wade, you and I are always talking about like divine intervention and divine alignment. So how did you guys meet? And how did you guys come up with this vision for the support you want to offer to organizations? Yeah. 
Uh, well, I hope that we are as passionate about leadership as you are, Jen. I, I feel like we have seen eye to eye on so many things. And what you just said is is one of the reasons why I'm grateful and, and we're grateful that we've had a chance to meet and connect with you and, and, and start to partner up on some of these projects. Um, we see the opportunity for leaders to become better and Part of that process is uncomfortable, and that's a that's a big thing for us. Is right now we've we've been lucky enough to be part of organizations that are thinking about this stuff and and really pioneering some of the the practices that we are deploying. Um, it's actually how we we met. Um, I was a student at a school where Zoltan was a teacher um, and really a, a teacher educator. So kind of on the on the meta level, Zoltan, and I'll let him. I'll let him. I won't take the words out of his mouth. But, uh, you know, a, a, the school where we were was very forward thinking. Uh, it was a, a project-based learning charter school um, in California. And the, the mission of the school was to create a, a very unique learning environment that prepared students for the real world more so than any sort of, you know, as much as it was college preparatory, it was also, we wanna create students who are engaged in the world. And so that was a really unique environment for us, great leadership principles there. Um, and it's really, you know, this, this relationship is something that we have, have maintained. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful to have a soul brother in Sultan and somebody that I always see eye to eye with. So this, 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 this work that we're doing together is, an, is, a, is only a natural thing coming from where we've been so far. Yeah, and absolutely. And, and I, as my role with um, developing teachers there, um, it was actually, it's a school where student um, input and student voice is really valued. And Wade was one of those students who was like, you know, he, he was really central to that kind of idea of like, what is the student's perspective on learning and how can we grow this forward? So a lot of my work with teachers also centered around being in classrooms and um, working with students and Wade has always stood out as uh, somebody who's really thinking about learning, but also thinking about like his, when you listen to him speak about sort of uh, the human condition and how can we improve people's, um, people's lives and well-being, I think it's, it's a real key part of, of that early learning for him. Yeah. And, that, and it's been, and it's, it's, you know, core to my work all along as well. It's like, how can we develop people who are effective and proficient at what they do, but also have you know, developing their, uh, their inner world as well. I love just hearing that developing people, because I think, and I'm also curious, I just want to backtrack for a second. Like what school was this? Like, I wish I would have had this school when I was growing up uh, <laughs> where, cause we very rarely um, in schools have conversations around leadership. Like I, and so, so first tell me what, like, was this, what kind of school was this? Yeah, the school is high tech high. It's in San Diego, California. Okay. It's grown uh, quite a bit, actually. They are they are now having schools uh, many different locations, but this one um, that we were at was one of the first ones. Wow. So it's grown quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So there's these schools now, but it's it's a place where uh, I think both students and teachers who are in that place come out changed fundamentally in some really positive ways in terms of how they look at what teaching and learning is and what the world is about. Um, it's really the key to it is having students um, work in the in their learning in the ways that adults learn uh, in their work. So instead, you know, I think most pedagogy, it's really focused around sort of this different kind of learning than what a professional would do in their job. Um, yeah. And so that was a core to that, that part is like putting students uh, in the role of what they would replicating what they would be doing once they're out of actually even out of college you know in their careers yeah that's amazing wow um yeah okay and so what um so when did this idea come to fruition how long like when, when did when did all of the pieces come together for you guys to so that's question number one and then if you can kind of just tell us like what it is the work that you're doing now um in terms of leadership yeah, well, I'll tell you how how we got our start, and I'll turn it over to Zoltan to, to, to explain our process. Uh, it it really happened. Um, 
at the beginning of the pandemic. So COVID-19 was a really challenging time um, for everyone, but it also provided a pretty unique opportunity for the two of us to have more time together than we've had in years. So this was a really beautiful thing that 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 came out of the pandemic was um, actually we, we, we in, in isolating, we spent a lot of time um, here in, in Park City, Utah. So Park City is a small town. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's quiet, especially when it's, it's off season. So there's, this is a, this is a, there's a big ski resort here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in the, t- about the time when we were, vi- when we, we ended up here during the pandemic, which was uh, March of 2020, this place was practically deserted. Um, so that was a really, really unique space for us to have a lot of time that was really quiet. A lot of time, you know, in our respective our respective uh, roles, you know, we were we were working hard, but also the proximity allowed us to talk about ideas that we were having. And so, you know, uh, at this stage, I was I w- was working for a small startup, a, gr- a really quickly growing startup, and we were talking about some of the leadership challenges that growing a company creates Mm -hmm. and especially where a company where in this time was extremely busy you know you're just trying to keep your head above water so it was really a conversation about how when because business and entrepreneurship is so crazy and hectic a lot of the times and we're trying to get things done and create something and a lot of times that you know, it, it doesn't leave room for the sort of development and training and, and, and life work that being in a more mature organization or it's sometimes easier when you have bigger scale to achieve those outcomes. But we were talking about what is the most effective way that an organization, regardless of its size, can really instill these, the, create a, a space where people are learning and growing and doing their life's work more so than just busy work Mm -hmm. and not only growing and and changing as an organization and creating an amazing product or an amazing service, but also growing as people together and individually in the organization. So that was really the foundation of, of, of what we were. And we were lucky enough to uh, have a lot of time to dive into it. And, and it's, um, some of this comes out a little bit out of some of the work I've been doing in education with, with teachers. So I've really thinking about this over the last uh, dozen or so years, but um, this idea of in an organization, um, the key question is like, what are we shooting for? And then how do we know it when we see it? So in education, I often ask the question, so you step into a room where X kind of practice is happening. How do you know, like, what do you see in here? And I think the same pertains to business. It's like you you step into the space of somebody who is really doing exceptional work with with whatever their role is. Like, how do you know? What do you see? Um, and sometimes those people that are really proficient actually aren't very good at explaining what they're doing because there's so many sort of, um, I, I love the term automaticity, the idea that so many pieces of what we do become automatic. That's really actually hard to explain. Um, so part of this work that we've been talking about is how do we take like what are the uh, markers of what it is that we're shooting for and so part of our role is really looking at what what are the guiding principles what's the mission statement of an organization what are the guiding principles around that mission statement and how can those be leveraged to and to create a guide for what that question is like how do you know how do you know good work or productive work or creative work or whatever it is when you see it happening. And then this gives a definition to everybody that's an aligned definition of what we're going for. And I think that that's that's missing in a lot of companies. Like if you ask somebody like, what what does good work look like? You'll get a, you know, you ask a dozen people, you'll get a dozen different answers. Right. Um, And then for the employee, it's kind of like, I'm getting this feedback here and I'm getting this feedback here. Which one do I? Which one do I go with? Um, and so this process is really around aligning um, that sort of. Everybody is really working to understand um, what it is that we're going for, and they have some documentation of what that looks like. I feel like this is such a huge gap that you guys are filling because 
from my experience working in organizations, what I've seen often, well, first of all, like I'm all about flow, right? How can we create more flow in, in our work and in our lives and all that stuff? And like when things are stuck in a business, the first thing I see is often the, the CEO or the managers be, being frustrated. And for me, it always ends up coming back to leadership. It's not actually about the employees or the team doing good work or bad work. It's, it's really about like a lack of um, clear leadership or a, a lack of consistent leadership. And I think that this work that you guys are doing is bridging a gap that probably a lot of business owners can't even see, but I think probably that don't want to do that work because when, what I've seen is like business owner is frustrated, the team is overwhelmed and what the business owner wants is just for the team to get it and like re reach the, like achieve the results. And like, there's that space missing in between where like, cause I'm, I guess my question to you guys is like, generally, do you think that teams even know what the guiding principles are of a business? My sense is that probably not, right? I, I would say it at an abstract level. Yeah. But what we're, what we're talking about is um, that they become applied and that every, every decision and every action and every coaching moment can be connected to one of those working guiding principles. So. Yeah. You know, Jen, just speaking to one thing about flow and, and, and you know, what our work and expanding on Zoltan's point as well of, of the, the idea of implementing the guiding principles, like people do understand them conceptually, like this is what our company does. This is, this is a general guideline of how we like to do business, but creating an environment where there are clearly stated best practices or rules of engagement, how, how we do business, it, defining those sorts of, of practices and, and, and rules and, and, and guidelines, they, are, they help create an environment where flow is possible. Mm. Because if there is too much, uh, if, there's not, if there's a lack of clarity, this can often be confusing and overwhelming to people. Yeah. And so people don't, when, they're, when there's no, it, when this does not happen effectively, people are feeling like there's something missing and that can interrupt their flow. Right. And so I imagine that even business owners often don't really know what these are, these guidelines are. So you guys help them like clarify and define those? Yes. That's yeah. the first step of the, of the process is to nice. go through and, and to answer that question that, that Zoltan mentioned, which is when we're doing our best work and as, as we like to phrase it for, for our clients is what does it look like when you're crushing it? Mm. When your whole company is in here and everybody's crushing it, what does that look like? Yeah. So answering that question, it helps to lay the yellow brick road of, of going towards the, the, the best version of the org. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it sometimes, you know, it takes a fair degree of humility and uh, introspection for leaders at businesses to take this on because it is acknowledging even in a really successful company. And this is some experience that, that we've, that we've had is there has to be a desire to say, and, and a level of humility to say, we're doing really well. Like the financial results, even of our company, maybe growing 300% year over year, 500% year over year but we understand that this is something that there is always improvement is an ever receding horizon. It's never, we're never finished with our growth and our improvement. That's why we named the company Moby because Moby is short for Mobius, which is an infinite, yeah. you know, an infinite loop. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I think, you know, whether it's like a solopreneur or like some, like a CEO with like a giant business, one of our fears often in entrepreneurship is like, that slowing down or stopping temporarily is going to like make everything crash and burn. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's so much wisdom in, in the act of really slowing down temporarily to realign things and make sure that the quality of, of uh, just like engagement and interaction between team members is, is at like that higher vibrational level, I guess we could say. Um, but I do think that that's probably one of the things that gets in the way of uh, business owners to do this work because 
it's like, we don't have time to slow down. We don't have time to stop and do this work, you know? Um, so I would love to hear your thoughts just on like the value of actually slowing down to do this work and how that can create impact in an organization. I really think of it as related to integrity. I mean, alignment or integrity, but I've seen it over and over again, that organizations where there's not sort of an internal uh, integrated structure that has, you know, and I mean integrity, not in sort of a moral sense, but just in, t in terms of, uh, it, well, it could be a moral sense as well, but like the, that there's, you know, that there's processes that follow expected patterns and that you know that when there isn't that kind of integrity you see fraying at the edges and i think that that frame becomes really expensive yeah. um, you know so for things like you know people leaving a company because they're not seeing their place in it anymore because that something is missing for them so then you have to go through that whole hiring process and bring people back in so people i think people feel much more uh valued they feel much more uh like, like they want to stay with the company if if they they it's predictable you know yeah. they know that x action is going to lead to x result and um i think that that's a critical piece of this work um is and you have to slow down to do it i do think that most companies have some sort of a mission statement uh, and they often have guiding principles again our role is is to take that work that's already been done and turn it into something that becomes the centerpiece of the organization in terms of all of those processes. So yeah. it's, I think it's a fairly efficient process in the beginning to do that, um, but it, you're right, it does take time. Do you think that sometimes when this work is done, it, it creates an inevitable cleanup in the organization, like some people, the, the, so those that are not aligned or in integrity anymore will move away from the organization and then that'll create space to bring in more aligned uh, team members. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, but again, it's like that idea of clarity. Yeah. I, I mean, how many people are in a business where they're fighting the business because they have a different opinion, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I've seen that in schools all the time. People like, I'm trying to push this thing through. Well, the, the organization is not aligned towards that. So yeah. you're wasting your time. Yeah. This this work is a key piece of culture. And yeah. Jen, I think you you absolutely nailed it. For, for some people, being held to a higher level of accountability and, and putting this stuff into practice, it is saying this is something that's going to be key to our company culture. And yeah. sometimes then it, you know, there's no hard feelings if it's not a good fit. Some people want to be in a more a space where they can just do their thing or, 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 you know, in some of the larger organizations, maybe just even disappear into the woodwork a little bit. But yeah. this creates a lot of accountability and, and it creates um, an environment where doing the best work is possible, but it has to be something that people are feeling like they have the, the the support and the encouragement and that they want to step into it along with everybody. Yeah. And I think also what this creates is like more sustainability also, because like this has been my biggest lesson in business is to learn to like release my grip and let fall away whatever needs to fall away. And then really trusting that whatever, like the, the more, the more aligned things are going to come in to fill that space. Uh, and when you, when you do that, you're then left with something that is much more in integrity and sustainable over the long term. Um, but again, it's like, it's always this idea of like releasing control, releasing our grip a little bit to just like let whatever needs to happen, happen. Um, and I even think that probably, it, let me know if I'm mistaken, but business owners probably even struggle sometimes to release their grip on like their way of thinking and, and what they think about their business and what they think about their team enough so that they can see maybe a different reality that's there, but they like in their blind spot. Yeah. I, that different reality is, I think, you know, business, you're, you're so invested in what you've created, yeah. you know? And so sometimes even a different perspective, just, you know, it's the uh, self-confirming bias. Like you, you, you don't even hear things that go against that, you know, that whole view, viewpoint you've created. Yeah. Exactly. Cause then you get so stuck in like these blinders. Mm -hmm. 
So I have a question. Um, I'd love your very honest opinion on if I'm completely crazy to think this way in terms of leadership. Um, like I said, I, had, I have this very elevated idea or vision of leadership, particularly for my team and my business. Like I've always, ever since the beginning, like 12 years ago, when I started to become an entrepreneur, probably my biggest dream in all of it was to have a team and like to lead a team, my own team. Um, I love working with other teams, but like my own is something that really means a lot to me. And I'm working on this next um, project that's going to be called the School of Intuitive Leadership. And we were having a team meeting the other day and I, and I was telling my current team who I want to be in this project with me, I only want you guys in this next project, I only want you where you're in your zone of genius. I don't want you doing anything else. The only thing you're going to be allowed to do in this, in this project is what is in your zone of genius. And like, everybody was so lit up. They're like, oh my God, this is like, we've never seen this before. We've never heard of this before. I'm like, neither have I, but like, I don't want anybody to be doing something that feels heavy or out of alignment. And, um, you know, in the organizations that I've worked with, I've rarely seen business owners create space for this. It's like, well, I'm paying you. So I'm paying you to just fulfill the skills that you came in to fulfill. Do you think it's realistic to lead an organization this way? Letting people only be in their zone of genius. That's a fantastic question, Jen. I feel <laughs> like it's, it's, I feel like that shift is beginning to take place because mm. a lot of the companies that are doing visionary work, especially as we've seen the change to remote work happening over the last year and a half or almost two years now um, during the pandemic, this is something that I feel organizations are starting to catch on to yeah. because the future of work is here and companies that aren't willing to play ball and they don't want, they want the employee to come in and serve a function and be at work five days a week and at the office and commute two hours or whatever. People have woken up a little bit that this, that work can be a more nourishing and uh, growth place for them and that they have leverage in this whole experience now, especially, and I think, you know, work from home has been a big change for people in that way. Like People don't want to go if they don't want to commute to the office anymore. They feel like, why should they have to? And if they can get their responsibilities done from home, then that's a that's a weight off their shoulders. So that's that's part of this, like going into your zone of genius. And I also feel that, you know, in some instances where it's a small company, people need to step up to the plate for many things because you're working towards a specific goal and, and it's going to be like part of that is putting yourself outside of your comfort zone, but it's also not a super sustainable way to run a business over the long term. Right. You want to optimize for what you are, what, what brings you the most joy and what you're able to do the most sustainably. And if there's a resource or a, a, a support that people bring in, um, you know, there's no shame in, in, in a way asking for help, but also optimizing to do more of what you're super good at. Mm. And, you know, creating a opportunity for somebody else to do the work that they love. So I absolutely, right. I, I, I don't think you're crazy. I think that's, that's how the most effective organizations today are operating, you know, whether if, if it's maybe not at the fully realized level yet, but I do believe that that is something that, that we are helping, you know, our space is helping to um, create that, that transition. And I would I would agree with Wade. I, I think it's I think it's the way to or, organize a business. I really do. If if every if everybody was hired to come in and do their genius work, like what a world mm. you know, what a great world this would be. My and sort of going off of what Wade said a little bit, my only question around that is like the pragmatics. There's a lot of right. you hear people talking about I was hired to do this, but I'm actually having to do all this because somebody has to get that work done. Right. I, I sort of think of it as the grunt work. Um, and so how, how do, how do you structure an organization so that, that, you know, those kinds of pieces get done? It could be, you know, as Wade said, there's some, somebody who might be really good at that. So we hire them. Uh, yeah. but, but I, the pragmatics of the day to day, I see 
often become the the driving force in an organization. We got to get this done. We got a deadline. Yeah. Um, and so that's my only question: is how do you how do you keep that at bay? Yeah, I agree. But it's it's actually quite incredible. Like I didn't. I didn't think it was actually that easy to find people who wanted to do that day-to-day grunt work. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Elisa, who's on my team, she's our virtual assistant. We were talking the other day and she was like, this, that's the work that I love to do. Yeah. I love to do all the work behind the scenes, those small details that people think are not important, but that actually move the business forward every day. And I was like, oh my God, that's the language you need to put on your website. <laughs> like yeah. you have no idea how many businesses are looking for this and you actually thrive off of doing this. So I definitely think that, um, I, I think that we need less and less roles where we're expecting people to do all the things and being more and more specific about like worst case, maybe having more roles, but like splitting them up better. And I also think maybe a way to like, have some flexibility in there like I don't know if you've read this book Zoltan but Wade Wade and I are big uh, big fans of the big big leap book and so you have your zone of genius your zone of excellence your zone of competence and your zone of incompetence right so I think probably what's most important is to ensure that people are always at least in their zone of excellence and genius and then make sure that they're never in their zone of competence or incompetence and you can even probably get you know, people to transition slowly from competence to like excellence to genius, you know? Well, I wonder if that's where the coaching comes in. It's like, if you're at your level of like the, the lower level of competence is that that's where the intensive coaching and support comes in, right? Yeah. So that people are feeling, because it's actually really, you know, as Wade said, like to diversify our abilities, it's actually really good to work through something like that if you're feeling yes. supported. Yeah. So a really positive experience. Yeah, yeah, because go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I don't think I think right now what's happening in a lot of organizations is team like people who, whether it's employees or subcontractors, they don't actually feel that there's a permission slip to be in that space. It's kind of like, well, I'm just supposed to be doing the work, and so there's no, there's never any invitation to actually step into that more. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's one of our primary missions at at Moby. Mm. is to create a culture of coaching that helps people, it helps organizations grow people. Um, and it's, it's, it's a piece that can be challenging to accomplish, right? It, it's something that nobody, you know, you have to, in a way, take it upon yourself to learn how to be a coach. Yeah. And it's a process that some people are maybe a little bit more innately gifted at, and some people have to do a lot more practice. So part of our mission is to provide those tools in order to help people grow and get into that and get into a get into a place where they're working more in their zone of excellence and their zone of genius. Um, and that's just that's not to say that, you know, some tasks are just probably not worth the the journey. Like it's not worth it to get coached on every little thing. Yeah. But, you know, to any of the other entrepreneurs out there listening to the podcast, this is this is how you come to a great idea for a business. You're, if you can fill in a gap or solve a problem that people don't want to do, it's amazing what, what you can achieve. Yeah. So, and I think I want to talk a little bit more about engagement because you guys are talking about that at the beginning in terms of the work that you do. Mm-hmm. And again, this is like an issue that I see a lot in, in organizations is like the lack of engagement in, in team members. And I think you know, just to circle back quickly to like the zone of genius thing, it's such a better investment for business owners to be paying someone in their zone of genius. Cause one, they're self-led, they're self-motivated, they're excited, and they're doing more than just the minimum, right? It's, it's natural because they love what they do. And that's what happens when we're in our zone of genius, we're in flow and we just naturally are more abundant in how we show up. Um, so I'd love to hear just a bit of your thoughts on engagement in organizations, like why, what you see that gets in the way of like, there actually being engagement and like everyone being kind of in their own little, whether it's, you know, energetic cubicle or whatever, and what you think is the key to creating engagement and connection in organizations. Because when that happens, I think people feel more like they're walking into a community 
instead of just like going to work kind of thing. Well, I, so a lot of what Wade and I've talked about over the last uh, many months um, is uh, Edward DC and Richard Ryan's work um, on self-determination theory, mm -hmm. you know, the concept of motivation. Um, and it's, it's, it's really based on what your idea of the genius uh, piece is about, which is, you know, motivation is really based on three pillars. One is meaning, uh, the mm. work is meaningful for you. Competence is the second one and autonomy is the third. And I think what we find in organizations is that if one of those pillars is missing, uh, engagement is lacking. Um, yeah. And I actually, part of something I've been puzzling about for a long time now is this question of uh, having the dual role of supervisor and coach. Ooh, because I like that. you've got, you know, to be engaged, to be fully engaged, you have to you have to be vulnerable or you have to open yourself up to like, you know, look, looking at what am I good at, but also what am I not good at and really leading with those kinds of questions. And I think when you're faced, it's a very tough position for a supervisor to create a space for somebody to be vulnerable when they also know that you're responsible for their job, when you're responsible for how much money they make their whatever those pieces are. And so I, part of what we're working towards is how can this, these shared agreements in an organization, that's what we're really going for, shared agreements around the guiding principles become places of mutual inquiry rather than me, supervisor, telling you what you should be doing better. And I think, and that leads, that's really part of this, these three pillars of, you know, if I am following my own path in terms of what, I, what I'm developing, that's meaning. It's also giving me autonomy. And I'm also being supported in building my competence, but it's also based on what I'm good at um, already. Mm -hmm. So I think those, those three things together, those, those multiple factors together are the things that will increase engagement. Yeah, I mean, it's so simple, right? Because really, like whatever every human needs is just to be seen and heard and acknowledged. And I think oftentimes in, in management positions, it's exactly that. It's just people telling people what to do. And it's not, there's no um, holding, like holding space for each person to be able to show up and grow and even ask for help. Like this, I think this is probably one of the biggest issues in, in companies is like people are terrified to ask for help or they're terrified to say, I don't know how to do this or I don't know the answer. And they instead just procrastination happens because they just sit with it instead of being like, Hey, I don't know the answer to this. Does, can someone support, you know? Um, and I don't know where that comes from. If it comes from this place of ego and wanting to do it all on their own and like know all the answers on their own or just fear. But I know so many people um, have so much anxiety in their work because either they're doing things that they don't love to do. Um, they're feeling overwhelmed with what they do have to do they're not feeling supported by the management or leadership team. And so it just becomes like the cycle of disengagement completely. So I love this like supervisor with the coaching role. Yeah. And, you know, and if it's really, if it's, if, if it becomes rather than I'm going to teach you something, if it, it becomes more like we're going to puzzle through this together. Yes. Because in our culturally, we have this idea that competence means you have the answer, uh -huh. but it's actually, that's not what it is. Competence means, you know, what the puzzle is. Mm. Um, and so I think that that's, that's the key is how can we transform places so that there there's mutual puzzling around what we're trying to get for, to get to, because that invites perspective, multiple perspectives. You know, it's not a one way uh, communication. Yeah, one of these one of these sound sound bites that I heard recently and just really hit home for me was that uh, excellent people excellent people have a lot of answers but genius people have lots of good questions. Yes, <laughs> I love that. I love that, and it reminds me of some uh, something a friend of mine shared with me the other day. Well, Rashina, who I've spoke to you guys about at the beginning, um, she sometimes asks me to support her um, management team. 
and we were talking the other day and I was talking about, I was asking her like, what do you want me to, you know, teach them? And she was like, I don't want you to teach them how to do things. I want you to coach them on how to think. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It took me a minute. I was like, okay, I don't know. How does my brain think when I'm like, cause I've been in management before. And mm-hmm. um, I think that I love just having this open space where you just ask a lot of questions and encourage, encourage the person to like think in a different way and find a different solution and, and take a different step than what they're used to taking. And yeah. Oh my God. There would be so many happier people at work if this happened more often. And again, like I think a shift in business owners values needs to happen um, because they need to see the well-being and happiness and fulfillment of their team as being like actually a priority in their business. And this reminds me of Richard Branson, who I've always been like a huge fan of, and he's been literally probably the biggest inspiration behind the work that I've done and even what I believe in terms of leadership. And he always said that he, he doesn't focus on like taking care of his customers. He focuses on taking care of his team and making them the best version of the person that they can be. And then he's like, they're going to take care of my clients after I don't, I don't need to worry about that. Um, and I, I have not seen this happen very often in organizations. That's a big shift that we're here to create. It's, yeah. it's the happy and engaged employee and somebody that is clear on the way, like the guiding principles, how we do what we do. Yeah. That person is better able to serve the clients. And it all comes, you know, a lot of it comes back to that question of, what does it look like when we're showing up hundred percent for yeah. each other and also for the people that we serve because yeah. entrepreneurship is service. Mm-hmm. And if we are clear on how we aim to deliver that in the most effective, the most supportive, the best way possible, magic can happen. Yeah. It seems like magic, but really it's effectiveness. <laughs> I also wonder about the, you know, the impact on, on the manager, like a, you know, if, if you take the stance that I am in charge and I'm in control of everything and telling that that's, you're, it's exhausting. Yes. You, you can never, you can never let up. Yeah. But if your view is that I am going to create a situation where we are having in, enriched conversations about what we're, you know, about what our company is about and what we're about. That seems to me so much more satisfying, uh, even from that leadership level. Um, I love that because we're often thinking about like how what happens in the leadership and management level trickles down on the team. But this is like actually the opposite of like how that trickles back up and like actually creates more well-being for the management team. Totally, totally. Because it's not all up to you then to lead everything. Like there's, it's like a like a co-creation, a collaboration yes. with the team. And yes. I would even bring it a step further to stay, to say, I think, I don't know if it was with you, Wade, that I was talking about this the other day, but we were talking about, it was you or somebody else, about how, you know, people, they, they strive for success, right? Success, fame, money, and all this stuff. And then they get it. And then they land with all the success and money. And it's like, well, I'm not any happier or I'm not any more fulfilled. Mm. But I, if I think of like business owners and leaders striving for success, but also impact, like how much more fulfilling is it to like have achieved success and know that you brought along all these people who are actually happy and fulfilled and like part of that journey with you. I think there's a huge impact that'll on the business owner as well to, to not just kind of end up somewhere with like this, this kind of empty shell success on their own. So much more satisfying to say my job is making people happy than making them efficient. Right. Yes. Because I mean, they're rolled in, but. And, you know, success is getting more of what you want and fulfillment is giving what you've got. Mm. So we are absolutely advocating for we want to create a a situation where help businesses create a situation where they're not only having that success, they're getting more of what they want. Their numbers are going up. Their people are, are, are doing really well. 
but it also it's a it's a reciprocal action of also then taking that prosperity and and using it to to give back in a way that helps everybody it's a it's a uh it, it they feed into each other in a beautiful way and it's and it helps to create a longer term success that not only is success but also is fulfillment yes okay i love that so i would love for you to just explain what you explained before we started actually recording the meaning behind Moby and that, that yeah, like, the, I feel like that's exactly what you're talking the, about. The infinite loop. Yeah. The infinite right. loop. Yeah. Exactly. So the, the, the beautiful thing in the, in the, the way that this came to us and, and really we see this journey as something that is, you know, it, it, we're all on a journey together. And if we step into it, we can purposefully create systems that are going to allow us to achieve the, the, the best life for ourselves possible. It all comes back to that. And people are moving away from going to work to earn money. And, I th- and businesses are, are, are starting to move away. They're realizing that this is no longer adequate. The system of, we're just trying to increase our bottom line and drive revenue and profit. And yeah. it, it's not going to work as the, our society continues to wake up and people are becoming more aware of what, what is it that I want to do, especially, you know, I'm, I'm a younger person. Mm-hmm. My generation is no, not, not as nearly as motivated as any generation before it by money. Yeah. People want to do work that's purposeful. They want to have an impact. They want to have, speaking to the, the DC and Ryan work, they want to do work that's, that's meaningful. And the, the way I like to phrase that with our clients is work that is connecting. So yeah. work that is connecting me to people that around me, people that I serve people and it work that's connecting me to a greater global sense. I mean, we, we, we live in a, in a world where we can jump on a jet and be somewhere completely where we don't speak the language. You can't read the signs. People are totally different than us and we can do it in 12 hours. So we, as a culture and as a community, we have this awareness now and so that's what I, I believe that that's part of the driving factor behind why people are seeking meaningful work. And so by creating these environments, and this is, this is the thought behind Moby, you know, we are maintaining the for-profit enterprise, which is, a, which is purposeful, but we're bringing this into this, this element of how can we bridge the gap between that old paradigm and the new mm-hmm. paradigm of we want to do purposeful work. We want to have an impact those two things can coexist. There's um, Naveen Jain. He's the founder of several companies, uh, one of which is a, a company in the health and wellness space called Viome. But he says, if you want to make a billion dollars, help a billion people. And that's so true. Yeah. And it's these two things that I, I feel that in the, in the old paradigm, they may have been mutually exclusive people are optimizing for it. Well, you come here, I'm paying you. So you do this work and I don't, it doesn't matter if you like it or not, but we can create better, better companies, better results for our customers, our clients and our people. If we conduct business in this way, that is feeding back into itself of saying we are also giving as part of this. And that's what we do here for each other. And it also impacts our customers in a better way and we make more money. And, but right. that's the, that's coming from the, the way we do business. Yeah. yeah. And I think that approach is way less work for everybody in the end, really it's everything. There's so much more ease. And I just want to end by just reflecting back an irony or like a divine alignment again that I see here. I love that this idea came to you guys during COVID. So I see that it feels like you guys went into like a creative incubator during COVID. For me, COVID was a moment where we were asked to release our grip and let anything that did not matter fall away. And we were only left really with what mattered most, right? Often was like our close family, what we had in our homes because we couldn't, we couldn't go out very much. Um, and so we, we were all um, sort of forced in a sense or, or inspired to um, care for what we mattered most that was kind of right in front of us. And what I love is that I feel like your, your business is doing that for other businesses. It's actually getting them to release their grip, let fall away what's not serving them anymore, and really just put their heart and soul into what matters most, their people, 
their guiding principles, their core values, um, and then to move forward from there. And then it's like, you don't have to work so hard on all the rest of the stuff that didn't really matter anymore. And one of the things I love about it is that this has come around from part of the, you know, part of the pandemic was that, as Wade alluded to in the beginning, that we had a lot of time. Yeah. To, <laughs> and it, it was like not, it wasn't even directed time, but like all this great stuff came out of these, you know, these conversations. And I think yeah. this is the model for, you, you also talked about businesses, you know, they're, they're concerned about the time, like how much time yeah. can we you can have a 20 minute conversation between a coach and an employee that's like this i think you're going to get further than if you had a 20 minute conversation that's uh not sort of aligned to these kind of principles around shared you know shared understanding shared values um and how do we get there together i, I think it's just a so much stronger way to be and more satisfying in the long run that's really powerful. And I think something really important here, because like a lot of companies waste or spend so much time just back and forth, like emailing, 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 and like not just getting to the point and getting on a call. And like you said, a huge shift can happen really quickly when you just connect with the person. So yeah, I'm so excited about the work that you guys are doing and I can't wait to like share it out into the world with everybody. Um, so two things, uh, I'd love to know if there's anything else you guys want to share just before we wrap things up. And then I would love for you to let us know, um, where people can connect with you or find you if they want to learn more about the work that you're doing, or, um, even have a chat with you about bringing you into their organization. Yeah, Jen, I think we both want to say thank you so much for having us. It's been just such an absolute joy to have our paths cross. We're so grateful for it to find somebody that we see so eye to eye with and are really feeling like this is just a, even you bring two flames together, it gets bigger. Yes. So this is a hundred percent how we feel. And we're thrilled to be working with you. And, uh, I think the best place for, for uh, the only thing that I can think of, and maybe Zoltan has something to add, but, um, if this is resonating with you, we want to connect with you. So um, find us, our website is gomobi.work. You can find us there. Let us know. We're happy to get in touch with you. One of our great joys is, is getting to meet and work with other people. So we're really excited to meet you. Absolutely. And Jen, it's been a, such a pleasure and uh, such a happy circumstance for us. Um, and really looking forward to future conversations and look forward to speaking with people as they reach out. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for coming. I really, I love every time we chat together and um, I'm really, I'm going to be probably one of your biggest ambassadors. Um, so it's an honor to, to talk with you guys today and uh, yeah, I can't wait to share it with everyone. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for spending time with me here today. I want to leave you with this little bit of wisdom. The actions you're not willing to take or the decisions you're not willing to make are the ones that will change your life. Trust your intuition, take the leaps, follow what you know to be true, even if it's not always easy or convenient. Your words mean the world to me. So if you have a moment, please share them by leaving a review of the podcast or sending me a testimonial. And I would love if you would share this episode wherever you feel called to. If you want to connect with me, you can find me over at jenniferjaneyoung.com or on Instagram at jennifer.jane.young.2022.